0: Man, this morning I am excited, I have kind of mixed feelings, and this what I'm going to talk about for the next couple of weeks is honestly kind of weighing heavy on me, and I'm not sure why. I, I really ain't. Um, I'm really not sure why I kind of feel the weightiness of this, and maybe it's, maybe it's because it's so relevant, maybe it's because it's a, where a lot of us are, I don't know, only God knows, but I wish uh, that you guys would just open your hearts and your minds this morning to what we're going to talk about, a series called Soul Detox. And uh, you might wonder, well, what in the world is a soul detox? And, well, you'll catch on. We're going to kind of lay the foundation in the beginning this morning for what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. Uh, but I want to open up by asking this question, and I just want you to be real honest. Um, how many of you over the last week or last couple of weeks or in general maybe would feel like life is just busy and hurried and you're waiting for the season when things slow down. Does that catch anybody where you're at? Some of you. Some of you maybe aren't honest. See I would say in general that's where most of us are. And maybe the reality is that some of us are actually numb to the fact that we're busy and we're hurried and we just got lots of things going on. So what we're going to do today is we're going to try to just kind of slow this whole thing down and we're going to try over the next couple of weeks to kind of just air out, to kind of just slow down. And here's what I don't mean by this, and this is where a lot of you went and it's okay, is I'm not necessarily saying that we shouldn't be busy. I'm not necessarily saying that we shouldn't be productive. I'm not even necessarily saying that we shouldn't have a lot going on. But I want to take it deeper than that. I want to take it to the soul level. And I want us to detox our soul or kind of unwind in our soul on the inside of us who we really are. Not just our bodies, not just our physical being, but who we really are. And here's where we're going to go this morning right off the bat in the top of your outline, and here's something that is so important that we understand, not only in this series, but as we do life. Because if we don't understand this, we get out of balance. Here's what we need to understand, is we are not a body with a soul. We are not a body with a soul, but rather, we are a soul with a body. Did you get that? We're not, so many of us, almost all of us have this thinking pattern or our default is that we're a, we're a body with a soul inside of us. We would all admit, we would all know we have a soul inside. But listen, you're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. Your body at some point is just going to disappear. It's going to go back into the dust of the ground, into the dirt. And this soul, this spirit which is what you really are, is going to continue to live on into eternity. So you are not a body with a soul, but rather you and I are a soul with a body. In fact, when God created and Adam way back in the beginning in Genesis verse 2, he makes this incredible statement that should catch our eye and should catch our attention. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And i just just stop there for a minute really has nothing to do with what i want to talk about but isn't that amazing that god just knelt down literally this isn't just a story it's not just something that they threw out there because it sounded exciting but literally god knelt down in the ground on the ground in the dirt and he formed a body out of the dust of the soil He took the dust and the clay and he formed it. And if you study this word formed or whatever it might be in in your in your version, it literally means that he formed it like a potter at a potter's wheel. Right? That there was time and there was thought and there was design, that it was a piece of it was a craftsman working a piece. It was a masterpiece. And the, Lord, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. It doesn't say that he became a living body. It doesn't even say that he became a living, living human being. He says he became a living soul. We are not a body with a soul, but rather we are a soul a soul. With a body, and here's why it matters. And I don't know if this will connect with you or not, but hopefully it makes sense to you. You know, we live in a culture, and we live in a society where, there's, where, where we're influenced by what's around us, whether we like it or not. We're influenced by what's on the news. We're influenced by the things that we view on television. We're influenced by the magazines we read. We're influenced every time we walk through the checkout aisle in in Walmart with everything that's on the magazines and everything that's there. We're influenced by the movies that we watch. We're influenced by everything around us. We're influenced by the people that that we're friends with. Big time. And many times, even though we're Christians and we want to live separate from the world, we want to live in the world, but we're living separate from the world at the same time. The things that are around us begin to influence us and begin to weigh into our lives and begin to make us like culture. You know, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a restaurant. that, And it's not as much as it used to be, but maybe there are still some restaurants. And you're in a setting where it's the entire building or the entire room is full of smoke, right? Everybody in there is smoking, or half of the people in there are smoking. And when you walk into the building, you know what? This happened a number of years ago. We were camping in Cherokee, and some of us, or I think it was our family was there and had never been into a casino. Had never been into a casino in my life. So we were up around the fire late, maybe 10 o'clock one night, and we said, let's go down to Cher- to the, what is it, Harrah's Casino, And let's just walk through there and check it out and see what it's like. And so we did. And I remember walking in the door and and noticing, it was a pretty high ceiling, maybe as high as in here, that there was this cloud, literally a cloud of smoke in this building, hovering about 14 feet high, right? And you walk in, you could just see this haze. And it stank like smoke in there. As we walked in, it was like, man, this place stinks, right? And... Everybody was smoking. I don't know if everybody was, but it was enough smoking in there that it had infiltrated the entire building. And as we walked through the building, after we were in there a few minutes, you no longer even thought about the smell. You just kind of became used to it, right? And as we walked through the building and watched what was going on and whatever all was going on, we left. And as we left the building and got in our vehicles, and as I went back and got back into the camper where my wife and kids were, I realized not only had I been in an atmosphere that stank really bad, that had smoke, secondhand smoke, is as I left that atmosphere that that smell came with me and I absolutely reeked. My clothes were saturated with that smell. I had to take a shower, put different clothes on to even lay down and sleep because it bothered me so much and I knew it was going to bother my wife. Now, here's the thing about that, that thing. As I, as I was in that casino, I never gambled. I was never really a part of what was going on there. I was really separate, although I was in it. But as I left, what really happened is a lot of what smelled in that place came with me. The second-hand toxins of that environment came with me. You know, there's another place that I like to eat, and it's Subway. But I hate to go inside of Subway because it makes me stink. Have you guys ever noticed that? If you go into Subway and sit down for 30 minutes and eat a Sub, you come out, you smell like Subway. And it does not smell good. The food's great, the smell is horrible. I'm sorry, if you, if you work at Subway, you guys need to figure that whole thing out. Right? But I love the food, but I hate the smell because the smell comes with you. If my wife is, is working and she comes home... And I give her a hug. I can tell if she sat in Subway. It just comes with the secondhand smell, secondhand smoke. You could go on and on with more stories, but here's what I believe. And here's what I think is true of you and is true of me that many of us in our souls. Are breathing in and are taking in the secondhand poisons and the secondhand smells and the secondhand toxins of our world, of our culture, and they're literally impacting our souls. You know, we talk a lot about detoxing our bodies, right? We hear that. You know, there's what, the lemon juice thing that is supposed to detox you and. And all of this stuff, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, for some crazy reason, went on this colon cleanse that was ridiculous. And we how long did we not eat food? Way too long for what happened. I know that. But, you know, it was something that was going around, and we tried this colon cleanse. It was supposed to cleanse your colons out, and you're supposed to feel so much better. And A couple of us did that, and we drank these nasty, nasty shakes. But we get into this stuff about detoxing, about cleansing our system. But what about our souls? What about what's really who we are? What about the part that really matters? That's what I want to talk about for the next three weeks. About caring for the essence of who we actually are. Next week, we're going to talk about the heavy soul, because there's so many of us that are walking around with smiles on our faces, but on the inside, we're dying. There's so many people that are walking around, and things look okay, but on the inside, they're carrying this heaviness, and they're sick on the inside. We're going to talk about that. Today, I want to talk to you about the restless soul, or the curse of the restless soul, and this one it hits me big time, I'll just be honest with you. A restless soul, if you know the story of Genesis about Cain and Abel. Cain gets jealous of Abel's sacrifice because God looks on favor upon Abel's sacrifice and not upon Cain upon Cain's, and and so Cain kills his brother. And in Genesis four, verse eleven and twelve, God curses him and he says, Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So you killed your brother, and here's the punishment. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you, and you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And there's a lot of us, I think, that have a restless soul. There's a lot of you that have a restless soul. Always searching But never finding. Interested in everything, but not very often satisfied by anything. Inside of us, we're wound up. Our RPMs are just going. And we may find rest for our bodies, we may sleep. But our souls very often or very seldom just slow down. There's always something going on. The mind is always working. We're worried. We're concerned. We're anxious. Our minds sometimes rest, but our souls very seldom find rest. We're busy people. Most of us are busy people. And here's the thing I was a little bit surprised how many of you didn't raise your hands. Honestly, I expected that most of us would raise our hands and say we're busy, and sometimes we wish we could slow down. And I would just say very quick judgment. And so you can think I'm crazy or not, but what I would say to that is maybe some of us are completely deceived in how busy we are because we're busy. We are a busy, busy people going. Sometimes our evenings are completely filled up with activities. And listen, I'm not saying that's wrong. Our days are full. Our evenings are full. And there's very, 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 very little, if any, margin in our lives. I would predict and say that many of us, if we would put one or two more things on our plate or God would ask us to do one or two or three more things, we would be completely overwhelmed. And sometimes it is easy for us to be overwhelmed with everything that there is to do. And it's where so many of us live, and we have a restless soul. Solomon's words in his Ecclesiastes talks about this, and maybe this is true of some of you. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 22 and 23, it says, What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? Do you guys ever feel like that? What am I getting for everything that I'm doing? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but do you, would you be honest enough? Would some of you be honest enough to say, you know what, that's me. My mind very seldom shuts down. My mind very seldom goes, remember what I talked about a while back, to the nothing box? Us men are better at it than you women because we can actually sometimes go to the nothing box. And some of you women can never go to the nothing box. Your mind is just spinning, it's just going. The RPMs are just cranking, and your soul never finds rest. And I would just say this, God does not want us to live that way 24-7. He does not want us to live that way where our minds and our souls are constantly on the go, where we're constantly searching but never finding so where do we find rest? And this is, so, this is such good stuff. I'm going to dump all kinds of Scripture on you today. And what I'm hoping is that the truth of Scripture penetrates and teaches us something. So where do we find rest? There is only one place. There is only one place that we find rest for our souls, and that is in God. Our souls find rest in God alone. Our souls find rest in God alone. Psalm 62 verse 1. It says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. This is my soul, my inner self, internally. That part of me, who I really am, the internal part of me, the eternal part of me, can only find rest in God. There is no words, there is no person, there is no thing, there is no experience, there is no vacation, There is nothing that will step in and replace. It is found in God and in God alone. An old saint said this many, many years ago. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself. We're made for you, not for anything else. And until we find you, really find you, and rest in you, our souls are restless. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And I would just say, I bet there's some of you that are just stressed out. Your souls are restless. You're heavy. You're stressed. And because of that, you find it difficult to show love to the people that you love the most. Because your your soul is revved up and you're overwhelmed, you're tense, and you're worried, and you're anxious. Not only physically, but on the inside where it really, really, really matters in your soul. Jesus says, "Come to me all of you who are weary and burdened." And guess what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will find rest for what your soul. See, he's not even talking about physical rest. Isn't that amazing? How we read this so often and we don't really catch on. Jesus said, come to me, I'll give your soul rest. Where do we find rest for our souls? We find it in God and in God alone. The next question maybe that we ought to ask is, okay, so how do I do that? If it's found in God, if rest for my soul, for my inner being, the part of me that sometimes never stops, the part of me that when I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning is still going. Right? You guys ever had that? And you wake up and you, wake, you, you like open your eyes and your eyes are wide open and your mind is going 5,000 miles an hour. That's part of your soul. If it's found in God, how do I do that? How do I find it? How do we live in the rhythms of God's grace? And how do we live in the rhythm of God's pace? How do we stay sometimes busy and walk through busy seasons and stay productive and find rest for our soul? How do we seek him first and have faith that all of these things will be given to us? Three thoughts that scripture teaches us. And the first one is this, is be still before God. Be still before God. And I want to just say this before we get into these three things, that these things are very, very simple. They're almost elementary, and yet they are incredibly difficult for most of us. Some of you have a hard time sitting still just through a 30-minute sermon. Here's what he says in Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, be still and do what? Be still and know that I am God. Notice he doesn't say the obvious thing. He doesn't say, be busy and know that I am God. Be productive and know that I am God. Be worried and know that I am God. He just very simply says, be still. Hold still. Pause. And just know, not just know in your head, but know in your soul, on the inside of you, that I am God. I don't know about you, but, um, and some of you may be around this all the time if you have kids. You guys have a kid that never holds still? Yeah. Some of you are sitting beside that kid, or maybe it's your husband or your wife, right? And the leg is always tapping, or they're, you know, they're always tap in on something. We're going like this here. Well, my son, I'm sorry, Ty. Where's Ty? My son never holds still. And to be honest, he gets it honestly. Always moving, always wiggling, always tapping, always doing something, right? And there's a lot of you kids that way. And for us parents, sometimes we want to look at our kids and we look at our kids and we're like, would you just hold still? Just Stop. My wife does that to me sometimes. Just stop wiggling. Just stop moving. And this is what God is saying in this verse. God looks at us sometimes, and I guarantee it. He watches us as we're hurried, and we're busy, and we're constantly moving, and our minds are constantly going. And He says, would you just hold still? Would you just hold still and know who I am? Just stop. Psalms 131 verse 2. David is speaking and he says this amazing thing. He says, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. I've done it. Nobody else can do it. I have to do it. David said, I have learned how. I've stilled my soul. I've told my soul to be quiet, to just shut up and hold still. I have done it. Here's the thing. I want to talk to you. If you struggle with a restless soul, and listen, this is, I struggle with it. I'll be honest. You know what? The biggest, maybe the most important discipline you can develop is this. We're going to start out very elementary, and yet I would guarantee that 50% of you can't do this. That's what I would bet. Is every day, One time a day, every day, hold still in the presence of your Heavenly Father. Turn your phone off. Turn off the radio. Turn off the TV. No distractions in a quiet place. And for five minutes, just sit still. I will bet you that 50% of you can't do it. I challenge you to do it this week. Do it every day for five minutes. Just sit down. No distractions, no other thoughts. Just sit quietly and take that verse literal where he says, Be still and know that I am God. Five minutes. Time yourself. See how hard it is. The second thing that Scripture teaches us to do when we're being still is to wait on him to wait for him. See, these things are very simple, and yet they're very, very hard. Wait for the Lord. Scripture says in Psalms 37, verse 7, it says, Be still before the Lord. Again, it talks about being still. Be still before the Lord and do what? Wait patiently for him. See, waiting is hard, isn't it? Some of you can hardly wait for me to talk again because it's weird in here. Being still and waiting is difficult. We're such an impatient society. You know how we pray sometimes? Or maybe we don't pray this out loud, but how we, how we think? We say, God, give me patience, but give it to me now. Right? You know what was funny is yesterday, we, were, we hiked Table Rock, and my nephew Kirby was with us. And on the way back, we were all getting hungry. We were all about to starve. So as we came through Oahu, we pulled through uh, Subway through the drive-in, right? We didn't have time to go inside and eat, right? We were too much in a hurry. Went through the drive-through, and I didn't feel like ordering, so I pulled up and made my wife order out of the back seat because Kirby was sitting up with me. And she ordered, we pulled up to the window, and she paid and did whatever needed to be done, and we were sitting there, I don't know how long, and she made a comment, and she said, I don't think they've even started on our sandwiches yet. And Kirby, sitting beside me, said, that's why you don't go to Subway. See, we're so impatient. And literally, we ordered our food, and probably in less than 10 minutes probably five minutes we had our sandwiches and we are on our way but we still even in that moment we're impatient and it's like we want to drive in here we want it and we want it now we're never we never want to wait it tickles me when we go out to eat with people and we go to a restaurant you know what the number one thing i always hear why is it taking so long what are they doing killing the cow back there and butchering it and putting it on the stove i mean for crying out loud you know, and, and look, I'm just as guilty as, as all of you. We're so impatient. I don't like to go to gas stations that I have to go in inside and pay. I want to stand at the pump, swipe my card, fill it, and then I'm on my way. It takes too long to walk inside. This verse says, be still and wait patiently for him. People ask me, honestly, people ask me a lot, how do I hear from God? How do I know when God's speaking? And you know what maybe the best answer is? Hold still and wait. Hold still and wait. Andy Stanley is a pastor. A lot of you guys know who Andy Stanley is. was interviewed too long, long, not, not too long ago, and someone asked him a question. They said, how do you stay close to God? How do you stay close to God with how busy as, as you are and everything that you've got to do? How do you stay close to God? And here's what he, what he said, and I'm just going to read most of this to you. He said, he said, I wake up early every day so I don't have to worry about time. And then he said this, I just open up God's word and I start to read his word and I wait for something to speak to me. And when it speaks to me, I stop and I meditate on what God said. Sometimes it might be one verse. Sometimes it might be a chapter. Sometimes it might be a couple of chapters. But I just keep reading and I wait on God to bring something to my attention. And he said, I just let his word be planted deep within my soul. Wait. Wait on God. Be still. Hold still for five minutes. And seek him. Be still and wait. Scripture says this in Psalms 130. This is beautiful. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning. And here's what that's talking about. A, a watchman in the Old Testament would be watching until the sun came up. Because they knew when the sun came up, their, their duty was done. And what David is saying here is saying, listen, just as sure as the sun comes up for the watchman in the watchtower, just as sure as that's going to happen every morning, you ought to wait on God with as much surety, which, much, which is much certainty, is that the sun's going to rise, that God's going to show up when you wait on him, when you hold still and you wait. I watch like the watchman does, knowing the sun is going to rise. Like a watchman. Here's the third thing. As we're waiting and we're being still, number three is to just take a moment and reflect on God's goodness. Reflect on his goodness. You know what? We have most of us have a problem to do when we sit quietly in a chair and we still our souls and we still our minds and we put the phone away and we turn the tv off is where do your mind go where does your mind go most of our minds go to what needs to be done and this is what's coming up i need to get this done and And here's what we need to do instead of thinking about what needs to be done think about what has already been done Think about God's goodness, the prayers that he has answered, the things that he has done for you. Psalms 116 says, be at rest once more, O my soul. Why? Because the Lord has been good to you. Reflect on what he's done. Reflect on his goodness. Reflect on his grace. Reflect on his answered prayers in your life. Not just last week, but your entire life. Rejoice in them. Praise God in them. Remember them. Reflect on how He's changing people's lives. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I love it. That I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Be at rest my soul. Remember what God has done. Remember what he's doing. In this season of busyness, be still my soul. Wait for the Lord. It's where I purposely, intentionally set aside time and say, I'm going to just wait on God. I'm going to be still. I'm going to quiet the things around me. I'm going to detox my soul. And I'm going to think about his goodness. And there's so many things to think about. So many things to think about. Find verses that speak to that. If you're a born-again Christian, if you stepped across the line of faith, remember that he says that he no longer holds your sin against you. And thank him for it. Remember that he says that everything is working to the good of those who love him. Remember that he tells us in scripture that we have everything that we ever need to do everything that he's ever going to ask us to do. Remember that he has called us according to his purpose. Remember that he says we will be blessed coming in and blessed going out. Remember that he says that he has a plan for your life and a a purpose to, 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 to further you and to bless you. And on and on and on. A plan not to, pros- not, to bl- not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And then remember this. As you're still and you wait and you think about the good things and your mind wanders into tomorrow, because that's where our mind almost always goes. Remember as you think of the goodness, remember this, as he's been good in the past, which means that as my mind goes into tomorrow, that he is already there. And if he was good yesterday, he'll be good tomorrow. And I'm sure of this. And you can pray for me because this is something I struggle with. It's hard for me to slow down. Look, I can rest and I can relax. But it's hard for me sometimes to not have this churning on the inside. And I may not express it that much, but it's there, right? Right? And I'm telling you, God doesn't want us to live that way all the time. He wants us to rest our souls. He wants your soul to be healed. He wants your soul to be whole. And I'm convinced of this, and I've said this before. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't be busy and we shouldn't be productive, but if God can't keep, if if Satan can't get us to be bad, if Satan can't get you to sin, He loves you to be busy. Loves you to be busy. Scripture tells us over and over and over again, be at rest. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him.